Welcome to Merendeando. This interview you're about to hear is going to be a little bit different. We want the podcast to respond to what is happening in our community during this pandemic. So the podcast will continue releasing episodes regularly as we adapt to keep sharing stories from artists and community members during this time. The first part of this episode was recorded in February before COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. We had the chance to meet at Aluna and share a torta from Torteria San Cosme with our guest Santiago Guzman. Santiago Guzman is a Mexican-born actor, producer, and writer based in St. John's, Newfoundland. We talked about Santiago's journey from doing theater as a child in Mexico to starting his own production company and becoming a part of Newfoundland's art scene. In the second half of this episode, we connected online and talked about how social isolation measures and the border closures have impacted him and his work. In times like this, where we're being asked to keep isolated from each other, Finding ways to stay connected is so important. So thank you so much for staying connected with us. Now, on to the episode. Yeah, something like that, I can't remember. So you were like, who is that? That's Santiago Guzman. Oh, Ooh, today we mean. have Santiago. We are eating and we're talking about Mexico. And um, as you know, Camila is Mexican, I'm Mexican, and Santiago? Je suis Mexican. Ah. Oh, oh, international. Oh, well, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But he's also a producer, an actor, uh, a writer, a director. I do a little bit of everything. I, I think I, I realized that if I really wanted to be working in theater, I had to, be, I had to do a little bit of everything. So that's why I was like, okay, let's do everything. And you're based in St. John's, Newfoundland. Correcto. Yes, I am currently living in St. John's, Newfoundland. That is a very unique place to base not only a theater and art practice as a new immigrant, or not a new immigrant, we'll talk, get into that in a bit, but as like a settler, someone not from Canada, and like as a person of color to, to base your art practice there. So hmm. yeah, I would love to talk to you about that. Well... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been interesting. Very, very interesting. The, I moved to Newfoundland uh, back in 2015 to pursue a BFA in theater. So I did that because the theater program was in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. And I thought that it was a, an interesting program. Um, they had... Uh, well, the main reason, okay, so like, just like going back to 2015, mm. I was in Mexico, I was in, in Toluca, that's where I, mm. um, where I was living with my mom, and I was like about to go into university, and, and then um, I decided to take on like acting and theater seriously, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and, but there was something in me that I felt like I was not good enough to go to the National Theater School in Mexico. Mm. And I was like, I didn't want to deal with rejection. I didn't want to, you know, like go audition be, and, and be being told that I was not fit for, for it. So then I started thinking and I was like, okay, what can I do? And then one of the things that I knew about Shakespeare, I hated Shakespeare. I was like, ugh. But I knew, I was like, if I go to theater school, I'll have to learn mm -hmm. something about Shakespeare. But yeah, I was like, it's, I, I couldn't deny the fact that you know, Shakespeare was such a big thing in the world, mm -hmm. in, especially in theater. It's because of colonialism. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that. Okay, 
<laughs> so yeah, it, it's the same thing as you know, like talking about Greek theater. Like uh-huh. you have to talk about Greek theater if if you go to theater school. Um, so anyway, I was just thinking like, and in Mexico, you need to do a pastorela before you <laughs> you can actually be a. Uh, you know you're going to be a leading lady if you get to yeah. Virgin Mary. You always need to do a pastorela before yeah. any other job. I feel like if you didn't do a pastorela, yeah. you what did you not do theater no, in Mexico. Like, <laughs> pastorelas at Shakespeare's of Mexico. <laughs> Actually, I just couldn't like, I remember like when I had to explain a pastorela, I, I, I didn't like, I was like, fuck, how do you explain a pastorela in English? And then I was like, okay. And then I was, I was introduced to the term pageant and I was like, okay, like a Christmas pageant, but it's not the no. same thing. You try to explain to our listeners what a pastorela is now with you 2020 2020 Santiago. uh well it is um a performance <laughs> of um the 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 birth of christ yeah but it's also like a quest that sometimes it doesn't have to do with the like the nativity scene like it's always like this como se dice pastor like Mm, shepherd. shepherd shepherd or an angel trying to defeat the devil and, and there's always music in a weird way and a lot of comedy a lot of comedy yeah. but then at the end it always ends with the same thing of like oh we defeated the devil and now we're here presenting this stuff to the to baby jesus to baby jesus and like what were your favorite roles satan it was a fun one well funny enough it was because of a pastorela that I was like, I think I can do this. That's how a lot of people start theater, yeah. Yeah, I, and I was playing Satan. And I was like, hmm, I think I can do this. And you know what? It was because my dad, after the pastorela, he, okay, so my dad, my dad is a, is a he, he went to school to study industrial chemical engineering. Yeah. Right? So that's my dad. And... And he obviously, when I told him that maybe I wanted to be an actor, he was like, uh. Um, but after that pastorela, he was the one who said, I, I, I can see how passionate you are about this, and I think you're good, so I'll support you. And it was because of a pastorela, funny enough, and I was playing Satan. That is beautiful. So start with a pastorela, and now you have your own production company <laughs> in San New Film. That, that's how you have to go like, about it. <laughs> wow. From Satan to Cornerbrook. Well, the thing was that that I, um, when I decided to to go to theater school, I didn't want to stay in Mexico. I decided mm-hmm. to, to like take a risk, and by a risk, I I thought that maybe going study abroad, um, trying to learn how to do Shakespeare in English. I was like, I think, I thought that my English level was pretty decent at the time, and I was like, I think I can pull this off. So, I I yeah, I decided to. I was looking for universities. I wanted to... The States was not an option. Mm-hmm. I thought about it for a second, and then I was like, oh, nope. Uh, and then I I went to... I was looking for a university. For here, I looked into U of T, mm. and it was just like so expensive. So, yes. so it's expensive. It's ridiculous. I was like, mm-mm. And my dad said, Santiago, like, I love you, but like, I just can't afford that. And I was like, fair enough. So... I went to a college fair in Mexico City, and Memorial University of Newfoundland was there. And that was actually the only university there in that um, expo that uh, that had like a BFA, a proper, because that's what I wanted. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get a degree. 
Um, and the program seemed interesting. They had this ex exchange uh, program in the fourth year of university that you have to go to Harlow, England, to study for a little bit, and then you have to graduate in Canada. So I was like, oh, this is great. That's, That's so beautiful. <clears throat> it was really cool. So, and it was not that expensive. And because I had good grades and, you know, I was eligible for uh, scholarships and stuff. So in the end, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And then I got accepted. And actually, Mon Memorial University was my only option. I did not have <laughs> anything else. Like, it was either that or, I don't know. Waiting. Uh, I guess. Like, I was like, nope. So I got in and then I moved to Corner Brook. Now... To that point, I had never been to Canada before. I can't even believe that Cornerbrook <laughs> is your first place. Like, much respect for you, Santiago. Well, I mean, Cornerbrook is, is, is great. And I think that, you know, I actually looked it up in, uh, on the map before moving. And I was like, I think I'm not going to do research because I'll find out about it in the four years that I'll be there. I think I'll cover it all. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think I need to do any sort of research. And I'm glad I didn't, because if I had done some research, I probably would have like decided not to go to Cornerbrook. Because it's a very, it's a small town. Uh, and I am from Metepec. Like, it's a very small town in, in Mexico. Well, nothing compared to Cornerbrook. Like, it was so small. It was great for studying, you know, like uh, very, very little distractions. Um, obviously the, the immigrant population It's not very high. There are a lot of immigrant students and, and international students, but that's pretty much it. Uh, there is no... I mean, now it's getting better and there are way more things happening. But four years ago, like they didn't have like really like a theater scene. Um, so anyway, but the program was there. And I was like, okay, cool. So it was, it was hard. It was challenging. I, I, I remember especially... At, I remember going to the grocery store mm. and with my friend, um, it was at the Dolorama actually. And I was with a friend and she was from Mexico and we we're just like, obviously speaking Spanish. And then I remember like people just like staring at us. <laughs> and then I remember like, like saying hello in, in English. And they were like, <gasps> and I was like, yeah, I like, I, I speak English. Like, what you are saying, you can't understand what I'm saying, but I can speak to you if I want. Yeah. I had amazing friends, though, and they were very supportive always. And they were like, Santiago, if you ever need groceries, if you ever need this, if you ever, we'll give you a hand. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. So, so, so because I met you uh, doing a reading for Cahoots. Correct. So how did your connection with like the Toronto theater scene started when you were there? Hunger, girl. <laughs> I feel like Toronto's this beacon of like, wow, the art, wow, opportunity. I don't know if you relate to that, but <clears throat> I mean, I think it is. Hmm. Well, yes, yes, definitely. And, and of course, like I want to be here now that I'm living here for a little bit. I'm like, hmm, should I move to Toronto? And I wouldn't say no. If the opportunity arises, I would like come here for sure. That's the main reason why I'm here at the moment. Um, but I, I actually, because again, like, Newfoundland was my introduction to Canada. I had no idea about like the theater scene in Canada. Like uh, when people were talking about like George Brown or Stratford, the Shaw Festival, I had no idea what they were talking about. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Mm. Mm. Um, I had no idea what was going on. Of course, Toronto. I knew about Toronto, but I didn't know like what was going on. Um, so it, it was until... So in, in theater school... I was the only person of color. It, yeah, I wanted to quit so many times. Yeah. Because I was the only person of color, 
And on top of that, I was the only ESL performer in the program. So <laughs> I can only imagine the fucker you dealt with. Oh my god. Yeah, it was it was a hard time because I felt like people just assumed, which I thought it was a compliment, um, that they never thought that I would like struggle because my English was pretty good. So they were like, Oh yeah, you totally get it. Like you're mm. fine, you will be fine. And I was like, I actually, like, my process is different. I need a little bit more help. And sometimes reading only white playwrights wasn't really appealing to me. And I, I was always, like, aspiring or trying to be white yeah. for, for the sake of my, my work in theater. Or my reference were always white. So I got so frustrated so many times every every year like I wanted to quit I wanted to go back but then I was like I'm already there I'm about to finish or whatever I don't want to start from zero So I started like doing a little bit of research and it was actually one of my professors in in theater school his name is Alex Fallis he was the one who introduced me to Aluna he was mm. um, a teacher at George Brown yeah so so he was the one who who introduced me he actually connected me with, uh, to Bea um, so I would like, I will always like talk to him about like my feelings and, and he, he was very supportive and he was always like trying to give me like more references. Um, it was in my second year of university that I was introduced to Guillermo Verdequia, mm -hmm. uh, and Fronteras Americanas. And it was because a producer in Newfoundland, uh, when he met me, he was like, okay, um, have you like, have you read this play? And I was like, nope, never. And he actually sent me a copy. And I read it and I was like, there is hope for me. There is hope for me in Canada. And, and that's when I started like doing more research and I started like doing, um, I actually, for one of my uh, contemporary Canadian theater class, I did a presentation on all of the multicultural and diverse theater companies across the country. And that just made me realize that there was nothing like that in Newfoundland mm -hmm. and I was like okay it's time to get that you know like change changed so yeah so that's that's why I started like doing research I, I was introduced to cahoots and the other thing is like I since like because I didn't know anyone and I didn't know anything I had no shame I had mm -hmm. I was not embarrassed to ask I was not embarrassed to say hi my name is Santiago who are you and that's how I met a lot of like very important people well that Afterwards, I found out that there were like important, you know, like artistic directors, producers that I guess if I had known that they were like they hold they they were holding that position of power, I probably would have been intimidated. But because I had no idea, I would just be like, hey, what's up? How are you? Tell me more about you. And so that's how I ended up connecting um, with Marjorie Chan when she was um, the AD for Cahoots. It was actually because of, um, I'm probably going to butcher his name. Um, her name is uh, Suvendrini Lina, a playwright that uh, had one of um, her plays produced by Cahoots. I went to a playwriting residency in, in Newfoundland as an actor to, to read their work. And, and she connected me to Marjorie. And then that happened. And then... Again, like every single time I found a, 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 an excuse to come to Toronto and to meet people. And I would like, I had a coffee with Guillermo Verdecchia. I had a coffee with Marjorie and Ingrid um, and so on and so forth. I was just like trying to make connections. And, and because of that, I got this invitation to do the reading where I mm -hmm. met you. And I heard your name actually before I had read it somewhere. And I was like, Monica Garrido, Mexican. Okay, I need to be friends with her. <laughs> I remember you told me about this, the solo show you did, Altar. 
Yes. So, but altar sparked a lot of other stuff. Yes. Or did it happen before? No, no, no. Yes, I think that altar was my my first like. I don't know, like spark uh, after a theater school. I have been, because that's the thing, like I, I, I really want this. I really, really want to be in and, and to pr- do my arts practice. And, and, and right now I'm finding my, my way in the, in the community and trying to understand what is it that I want to do with what I have and where else I, I could go um, as an individual, but also like trying to support other artists um, to grow. So, so I was like working during my, my summer breaks, I was, I would be working with uh, festivals in Newfoundland Mm -hmm. and then, but it was until I graduated that I was like, oh great, I have nothing to do. So, um, I wrote Altar, uh, or Altar, um, when I was in, in the UK doing my, my, um, exchange program or my, whatever, for my degree. And I was writing this play because <laughs> this is this is so embarrassing, but it's also really exciting because mm. not exciting, but uh, I wrote that play because I wanted to be in Caminos. Yeah. Mm. So um, with Aluna, so I had I saw the deadline and I was like, okay, I need to write something. I, which was great. It was it was a, an amazing opportunity. I didn't get picked up, but in the end, I was like, well, I have a show now. Isn't this awesome? And so I was uh, actually able to. To submit this this play to the short play festival in St. John's, which is like the equivalent to the Fringe, so I um what they they had in in St. John's was a, a lottery. So basically, you made you you submitted your your proposal, and then it was uh, a draw, and my show got in, and I was like, okay, great, this is perfect. I'll be able to, and I actually I was on tour with the show when I found out that I was doing at that, and I was like, holy cow. Um, so Altar, I did that show, um, I wrote it, it's so funny because I wrote it when I was in, in the UK and the play is about, uh, Eugenio, who is a Mexican, uh, guy living in St. John's. I wonder why mm-hmm. I wrote that story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, it's about this guy who's going through a breakup. So he's trying to deal with the ghosting of his, um, ex-boyfriend. So... Uh, yeah, like he he doesn't know how to deal with it, and he d- he suddenly like uh, realizes that maybe by setting up an altar like in Dia de Muertos, he'll be able to summon his ghost. Honestly, I need a couple altars in my room right now. I, know. <laughs> I, know. I, I, mean, I have now. a couple, TBH. But I need some for the, for the I, heart. Also, I love that it deals like this character was like, what is the most Mexican way? Yeah, like what is the most Mexican? And that, that was the thing, like, I wanted to connect my experience in Newfoundland, but also, like, to give it, like, my own Mexican flavor. I'm honestly just the most happy right now to be hearing this. It's yeah. so beautiful. Thank and you so much. And the fact that you were doing this with your own grit, your own vision, by your, like, in a quite isolated, it seems like, culturally, like, so much respect. Thank you very much. I, I just wanted to tell a story. I just wanted to share that. And it, so, basically, he's in the middle of winter, and when you know like usually feel lonely and then he he realizes while trying to set up this this altar that he has also ghosted people and that uh and and the, the show also speaks of how you disconnect from your home country when you're far away 
and how you start losing relationships because of the same thing. How, how did audiences respond? Yeah. Well, it, it was amazing. It was, it was a one-man show, so it was me playing a bunch of uh, characters. Uh, it was so special because I actually got my sister and my dad to record uh, some uh, audios that I had in the show. Mm-hmm. So, man, just like being able to be on stage performing and just like hear their voices, I was like, ah, oh, it was a gift. It was like so beautiful. And because of the show, obviously, like I was speaking a lot of Spanish. And uh, so my sister and my dad, everything they recorded was in Spanish. Um, so it was, you know, like I, I was like trying to recap that in, in English. And people thought that it was like very interesting uh, because of that, because I was speaking Spanish. Um, it, my show, of course, as everything I do, was very gay, uh, very brown, uh, uh, brown cow stunning. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, brown cow stunning. <laughs> it's the ooh ah sensation. Excuse me. <laughs> that is from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race uh, as that's... Monique Hart. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Ooh, shout out to like, Oh my god, I love her. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm brown cow stunning, and and people really really liked it. It was uh, people came to me after the show and they were like, "Santiago, you're really funny," and I was like, "I know." You know, like I was so surprised that people were like, you're funny. And I was like, well, I, I wanted to, to think that, but thanks. Yeah. Um, so, and the producer, uh, shout out to Patrick Foran, uh, that gave me um, the, the copy of uh, Fronteras Americanas after my show. He said, Santiago, you created your Fronteras Americanas. And to me, that was like meant like I'm just getting goosebumps. Just I like literally almost that. just cried. No, I was like, wow, wow, thank you. I, I just felt like I did something right. So yeah. Well, it's you telling your story and you telling it from the place where you are. I think that's such a powerful move. Yeah, I thank you. I just wanted again, like I just wanted to tell this story about ghosting. It was, <laughs> and I am the the thing is that. After I came back from my trip from England, my boyfriend ghosted me. Rude. Well, I mean, yeah, that was awful. He broke my heart. I cried so much. Um, But I was like dealing with all of that. But in the end, it was funny because the show afterwards, it seemed that the show was about him, but it was not about him. When I was writing it, it was before he actually ghosted Mm, me. White white privilege. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like... but anyway, so all of that success that I got with the show was not because of him breaking my heart, because I wrote the show before no, he goes it. No, nothing to do with him. It was in this festival that you directed also a show? That's right. Yeah, so this show, Altar, was directed by my best friend, uh, Megan Greeley. So she directed this show, um, and I was so happy. She, I'll show you some pictures um, of the show. It was, like, visually beautiful. It was, like, the... Sh- the, the, the Black floor was covered in yellow paper um, to resemble like the marigolds. Oh my God, it was beautiful. But then in that same festival, I directed another play called uh, Loki Akahenge, uh, which translates to What Will People Think? And it was uh, from from a, a friend of mine, a very, very uh, lovely artist. And her name is Prajula Dixit. And she has uh, also a theater company, Different Strokes, and the play was about like this, um, the relationship between a mom, a mother and daughter, and how the daughter wanted to date someone white, uh, her being a Muslim woman. So I directed that show, um, and it was also great 
very well received. People really, really uh, liked it. So, yeah. Yeah, so you made those productions uh, in that you wrote them, performed and directed in several different ones. And then how did Todos productions come to be? Well, Todos, when I was in, in the UK, I was like the busy, busiest man alive because I was doing, well, finishing my degree. I was um, getting ready for the show that I was going to go on tour. And I was writing Altar, but also I took this like entrepreneurial workshop course online why i know because uh, you know like i thought that i was doing something smart which i'm sure you are i mean sure. it yeah. was at the time i was like santiago why are you doing this again to yourself but anyway so and it was it was about because i thought i really thought that the thing was going to help me with my immigration status in the in the country mm. uh that's what i understood the, the project was going to help me with it did not um but anyway out of that project i developed Todos Productions. That was how I started it. It was a, like a class. Then uh, the same workshop had like this funding competition and I won. So I got a little bit of moolah to, <laughs> to actually like start the company. And then at the time, that was like after I was already in the, in the festival with Altar. So I was like, okay, I'm going to produce Altar with my company. Mm. So I did that. And then... I started like thinking about like the future and what I wanted to do with that company. And I was like, okay, I got invited to curate um, a live magazine in at the Resource Center for the Arts in St. John's. Live magazine. It's like a cabaret. Ah, so basically, oh, it was so cool. They, they invited me to curate an evening uh, of performances. Uh, so I had a theme and the theme was um, Newfoundland from a diverse perspective where I, I did like an open submission call to receive artists and, and send, you know, like uh, to receive whatever, you know, like number that they wanted to perform. Um, so I was like, you, it could be dance, it could be poetry, it could be theater, whatever you want. Uh, so that was amazing. And then I started looking for more, more and more things to do together with a company. Currently, I am... Uh, hosting a writing mentorship mentorship with Robert Schaefe in Newfoundland that it's the, the whole point of that mentorship is to to encourage and provide a platform for emerging writers diverse writers in Newfoundland so can I ask what in your perspective from your point of view what is it like to be an artist a racialized artist in Newfoundland it's hard it's great but it's hard it's really hard. It's great because obviously, I mean, there are not a lot of Santiago's. So, and also like in, in Newfoundland, like there are not a lot of like diverse artists. So it is like easier to be seen in that way. Um, as you know, as, as it is easy to be doing groceries and just like having people staring at you. Um, so that is good because I, I have received a lot of opportunities, but also... I have proved that my talent and my work ethic and whatever my, my desire, my drive and my artistic vision is taking me places. It's not only because I'm brown. Um, so that is a good thing. The bad thing is that the lack of, of um, diverse community. It's, it's so hard to feel like you're understood. Even though I have a lot of like amazing uh, ally friends, it's not the same thing to feel like people get you um so it's it's hard and and 
Yeah, sometimes I feel really lonely. Um, again, like I, I try to be really positive all the time. So I, I try to create stuff with fellow Uh, diverse artists in the community and 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 that to me also like the, the work that I'm doing with todos is very like open in the sense that it's very welcoming and it's not only for um, uh, culturally diverse but also you know like gender and identity um, different abilities as well so it's very like welcoming in that, uh, in that on that regard I just want to help other people to do well things that they want to do so and right now because uh, i know you're here in toronto for a little bit you're doing the paprika festival well um so paprika festival is taking place i think it's the 24th or the 25th of may it's the last week of may to the 31st so my play will be read i am writing a play about um it, it is like a, a a metaphor to my marriage to newfoundland um so basically it, it just tells a story about Uh, Mexican guy again <laughs> in St. John's. We love a story about a Mexican guy. Never fear. I Never mean, fear I mean, no. you're like, yes, Mexican in the description. I'll be there. <laughs> I've already bought the ticket. Yeah. I'm, I'm already outside the theater. Uh, so it, it is about this uh, Mexican guy who's getting married um, because um, his partner thinks that perhaps by getting married, his um, uh, her, his legal status in, in the country would, you know, benefit from that. Um, so he... Uh, buys a ticket for uh, as, as a wedding gift buys um, the Mexican guy uh, a ticket for his mom to come and to the wedding the thing was that uh, he's not out in Mexico so yeah that's where the drama unfolds that's really really topical important things to be talking about on many levels I can already see um, please like tell me if this is not a Like if this question feels strange, but I'm I'm super curious about people's experience trying to with immigration status in Canada. As I was born here, so I have many privileges that way. But I'm really curious, like as an artist, as someone who has a voice that is trying to give space for other things, which sometimes like is kind of a little bit scary, a little bit risky when you're trying to like be friends with the government, so they give you this okay to be here. I'm just wondering, do you want to stay here? Do you feel like that's something that you want? And is it something that is possible for you? I do. I do. I do 110% want to stay here. Uh, I feel like this idea of, of um, home and what Mexico means to me now has changed over the years. I, of course, like Mexico will always be my home country. But I don't feel like Mexico is home anymore. I feel St. John's is feeling a little bit more like home. Um, and it's simply because of uh, where my life is right now, where my work is, where my friends are. Yeah, that's that's where I feel like my life is at the moment. So Mexico now feels like where my family is, where my memories are, but that's it. So I do want to stay here in Canada simply because I can see future ahead of me. I can see especially doing theater, doing film, I think that there is so much work to do. I am uh, a true advocate for accessibility and uh, diversity in, in Newfoundland. And I think there's a lot of work that we have to get done there. And yeah, so I feel like I'm, I'm excited and I just want to keep working on it. I was talking about this to someone who's like immigration and, and being an artist. It's beautiful in the process and, and on paper and on stage and it's hell uh, in a in a real like 
um, government matter yeah. way. Yeah. Bureaucratic way. Yes. Yeah. It's it's awful. I hate it. <laughs> I cry so much about it. I stress about I feel like being an immigrant is a full-time job. Yeah. yeah. That is my full-time job, mm-hmm. being an immigrant. And you have to deal with things with you have to deal with things that you don't want to deal with you know like i yeah like sometimes i just don't want to to think about that i don't want to think about like okay what i'll do now like how am i going to prove to the government that i am actually working that i have money to say in here that i want to settle here uh you know like what is going to happen when my postgraduate work permit expires next month etc 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 right i love talking about being here long long term it's also scary because it's not a given and it's Mm -hmm. and even people who are um citizen now they're like it never feels real it always feels like they can just take the paper take it away making art and being an artist is something that should be it's a full-time job it's a a full-time job job. artist immigrant like you should that's i don't know i have two full-time jobs yeah exactly (laughs) hello (laughs) yeah so you just heard the interview we did with santiago about almost two months ago now and now because the situation um, has evolved so fast in the world and santiago we just heard your interview two months ago and now we're checking in with you how are you i'm Doing all right. I'm doing all right. <laughs> it has been just really weird. Um, especially I am currently in Mexico. I came after I met with you uh, two months ago after I finished my gig um, in Toronto. I decided to come visit my family for three weeks before going back to Toronto because I had a couple of uh, meetings for the Freak Festival. And so I came down here just for a quick visit, and then the coronavirus hit, and then I wasn't allowed to go back. Because the borders closed to everyone except Canadian citizens and permanent residents, is that right? That's right, yeah. Well, the first wave they did, um, they closed the borders except for Canadian citizens and uh, permanent residents, which I am neither. So I am a temporary resident uh, because I hold a work permit. So that's why I will be able to go back to the country once um, the the travel ban is lifted. But I haven't heard when that will happen. Where do you want to be right now? Well, this is very, it it has been really hard for me to navigate because I came here with the idea that I was going to be here for three weeks and that was it. Like I actually planned every single day of my stay because uh, my parents are divorced so mm-hmm. i had to go back between um mexico city and metepec which is where my mom lives where i i am right now so i had to go back and forth back and forth back and forth so i scheduled everything perfectly i gave my dad and my mom the exact amount of dates and now everything would just went like okay well I, i'm just gonna be here uh, for a little bit, and I feel really selfish, and that that is what really bothers me, because I, just because I am not a um, Canadian citizen or a permanent resident, and I'm also a freelancer, I'm a, I'm a full-time artist, so I don't have like a side gig or anything, I don't have health coverage in Canada, unless I get employed full-time by by a Canadian employer. I feel really grateful that I get to stay longer with my family to eat 
all of the delicious Mexican food that my mom um, pampers me with. So, so I, I get to have those things. I get to spend, I haven't been back to Mexico in three years. So it is just so amazing to be back. Uh, but I feel really selfish because I cannot stop thinking about my life in Canada. And all of the meetings, like for instance, the meetings that we're having just now, it's in Canada. And all of my gigs are in Canada. So even when I start thinking about my income, my income comes from Canada and I'm in Mexico. So I'm like, okay, how am I going to fix that? I have my apartment in Newfoundland. I have my cell phone bill. I have my partner. And I feel truly, truly selfish because I have everything that anyone could ask for, yet my heart is somewhere else. And I feel here in Mexico, I feel as though I'm a tourist. And that really hurt. I really, like, I walk, well, not anymore because of self-isolation, but before then, I remember getting here and just, like, walking down the streets and just realizing that my life isn't here anymore. And I was okay with that. I was like, okay, that's fine, because I went through a very emotional process where I, I finally embraced Canada and I started calling St. John's home. So now I'm homesick because this is not home anymore. And I feel really selfish because I should be, I feel like I should feel really happy to be here, which I am, but I'm also thinking about Newfoundland and Canada and, and my life there. It's this situation, it is this type of thing that you're like, you need to, every day is evolving, so there's no like timeline. And that's the thing, like I started, like I stopped trying to find an answer or a solution to my problem because that was out of my hands. That had nothing to do with me, that had nothing to do, not even with my family, it was just like the, legal situation um the thing that worries me a little is that i am in the process of um extending my postgraduate work permit in canada because it was expired it was a whole thing but it was expiring before i left the country so i made sure to get everything submitted before i left the country and it's very likely that i might get stuck here in in, in mexico while the process is going on and then the current uh, work permit that I hold now is expiring late April. So I'm like, should I try, attempt as much as I can to go back before then so I don't have to deal with the bureaucracy and all the paperwork that a lot of immigrants might relate to. <laughs> it's just so stressful. And I, right now I've decided to, as you said, Monica, to just live every day and just do as much as I can. It's very, it hurts because again, every single day I'm working on projects that are not here, which is okay. It, it's like a little anchor that reminds me that my boat is elsewhere. However, it hurts. But you know, it's a double-edged sword because I know that at the same time, if I were in Canada, I would be doing the same thing. I would be isolated in my room, working on the same stuff. The, the only difference would be that I would be alone. <laughs> And I would be without healthcare and in Canada. That's it. But other, so that's why I'm trying to be more patient with myself, with the situation, and understand that well, this is out of my hands, and I just need to navigate it day by day. It really makes me question what home is. And you said this yourself like a couple minutes ago. You really like went through the process of committing to your home in Canada, and that is a huge process. To totally, yes, yes, because I, I remember I, I moved to 
uh, Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, um, five years ago, back in 2015. And I remember that the first time, the first semester of university, I knew I was going back to Mexico in December. So it felt as though it had like a, its own chapter. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to Mexico. And I, and I came back and it was just like as though I had gone on exchange. But the second time that that happened, that was like after the first year, uh, it was actually the second time. It was, um, I, was I, I had just finished my second year of university and I, I came back and then I got an offer to work at, at a summer festival in Trinity Bay. And then that hit me. I was like, okay, it looks like right now I won't be coming home at the time, Mexico, as often. And actually, I tried more that time when I left uh, Mexico uh, compared to the first time. The first time I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I will miss you. It'll, it'll be fine. But the second time where I actually acknowledged the fact that I was actually moving, that was so hard for me to let go of and be like, okay, this is happening because I knew and I remember crying and crying and crying because I knew that I, it was going to be really hard for me to come back. Like I didn't have a set date as opposed to the other times that I already knew when I was coming back to Mexico. So I remember even then when I just came here for a, I was here for a month because I had to go back to Newfoundland. I started seeing that Mexico in that year and a half that I was gone, Mexico kept growing. Mexico didn't like froze for me. Mexico kept evolving. And I couldn't blame that. I couldn't blame my family to grow. I couldn't blame my sister to look older. I couldn't blame my friends for moving away because we were all growing. We were all moving. And that's when I, when I started realizing that I had to let go and that I couldn't blame anyone for doing the same thing that I was doing. It feels like I will have to move to settle in Canada. However, being in Canada, as some immigrants might know, you don't feel home either. So I felt for a, for the longest period of my life, I felt that I, as though I was homeless, that I didn't like I couldn't relate to Mexico anymore, and this new country that I had just moved to didn't feel home uh, home like either. So I was like, holy cow, where do I go? Where do I belong? Where, where's home? And that was so freaking hard for me to understand that it was okay. And that to understand that perhaps the wisest decision at the time was to let go of Mexico. How, like, just don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that I don't care for Mexico anymore, that I don't speak Spanish anymore. Like, that has nothing to do with it. I don't want to change my nationality. I am Mexican, and I will always be Mexican, and I'm so proud of being Mexican. However, I also understand that Mexico is not where my house, my home is, where I live, where I work, where I love, where I feel. That is my reality now. So it was a very long process. I actually didn't start referring to home, referring to St. John's as home, until, like, I think it was close to graduating last year tried to start saying that St. John's was home, St. John's was home and it actually clicked when other people start referring to Newfoundland as home and now when when all of this went down actually my friends and my partner were asking when are you coming home and that to me was like even though I already knew it it was just a reaffirmation that that I had gone through this process of detaching from from my Mexican home. It has been really hard, it has been really difficult, but again, like 
I think that I will be back. Well, that's my hope. I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> and um, yeah, because all my work, all my family, all my friends. Yeah. We want to thank you. Thank you for connecting with us. Thank you for giving us an update. We will link uh, the CBC article you wrote. We miss you. We're all yeah, going to be together again. We are. And know that we're holding space for you here. Thank you. We thank love you, you very much. That really means a lot to me. And, and I really love you both. Thank you very much for giving me the space and the chance to talk to you about where I'm at. Radio Luna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theater with the support from the Metcalf Foundation, the Laidlaw Foundation, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Toronto Arts Council. Aluna Theater is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Schwellness with Sue Valent and Gia Namens. Radio Aluna Theater is produced by Camila Diaz Varela and Monica Garrido. For more about Aluna Theater, visit us at alunatheater.ca. Follow at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram or like us on Facebook. Follow and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This podcast is recorded in Toronto or Dogarondo, the territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the Wendat Nation, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and nations recorded and unrecorded. We are deeply thankful to these nations for stewarding the land so that we might live in peace and respect for each other. As it is outlined in the Dish with One Spoon Wampum, that all people who live here, settlers, indigenous folks, and others, must adhere to. Miigwech and Yawangoa.